Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 244, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And I have a feeling you will be on this one. We've got Mavs Warriors. We've got an epic college football heavyweight bout between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders, and it's just, I mean, wild. Molotov cocktail scorched earth today in that whole situation, and the passing of the great Larry Lacewell. We'll have all of that for you here on this version of the podcast. But let's tell you about our buddies over there, the attorneys at Greening Law. If you were hurt in a car accident, did you experience malpractice? Were you standing in the line at some business and a fan fell off the ceiling and landed on your head? You're like, well, what the hell do I do now? Well, you, you call Greening Law. You call the Green Team. Let them come in, help you be that fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Dude, the Green Team, it's one of the best decisions you can make. Uh, if you have an incident, an accident, doesn't matter what it is, um, give them a call, tell them your situation, and see if they'll take you on as a client. And if they do, I like to tell people it's been your lucky day. I mean, your bad circumstance led you to call them. But if they take you on as a client, it's been a lucky day, man, because they will walk you through the process. They'll answer all the questions you'll have. They'll tell you stuff you didn't even know you were supposed to know. They'll fight for you, just like that other insurance company is fighting for their client, except I like to think they win. And so, you know, let them represent you. Give them a call and uh, let the green team do their thing. Yeah, man. Consultation's free. It's, it's, it's free to find out, do you have a case? If you're not sure, give them a call. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Call now. It's Robert Greening, Offices, Dallas, Texas. The Mavs and the Warriors. And it, you, you can't put lipstick on a pig. It was ugly. <laughs> on No matter how you want to paint it, man, it, it was ugly. It did not go the way that I think all of us were hoping. And you started, I started to wonder, like watching that game, I was like, man, are we about to get another Phoenix situation here? They seemed flat to me coming out early. And I, I kind of got the idea that this was going to be a rough go. Oh, see, I, I think, um, I'm, I'm going to walk, I think in series, no matter what the sport, I think we, either as fans or as media or something in between sometimes, we always try to try to say this is where it's going and this is what's happening based on the last thing. And really, in playoff, I think it's different than a regular season. In playoff, man, I think all these games are their own individual entity. And it doesn't really move right. where momentum goes from game to game or this to that uh, because the circumstances, everything's so much different. The adjustments are different. You don't make these kind of adjustments in a regular season because you don't have time. Um, so, but anyway, uh, to your point, see, I don't think they came out flat. I think they came out and I'm not even, I'm not even really surprised per se. Again, it's the Western conference finals. We're four wins away from playing for a championship. Mm -hmm. Oh, this shit's a little different. I know I thought it wasn't going to be different when I was shooting warmups out here, but the game started and it feels a little different. And I say that because, and tell me what you think. They got all the shots they wanted in the first quarter. Yeah. And they missed them all. Yep. 
<laughs> what were they, what were they like? Three of eighteen, I think. Three from, of nine. Three of nineteen. Right. Three. Three. Of, three of nineteen. I w- I totally agree with you because Luca. You could. I don't know what it is. Like game seven, he comes out. You could tell right away he's got it. And last night, I felt the exact same way about, okay. And it even got to a point I was like, I get it, dude, but stop shooting and pass because you don't have it. Like, your shot's not there tonight. Right, right. And so, sure enough, Luca finishes. And, I mean, think about this. Luca led the Mavs last night. He had 20 points, and he was, he was their highest scorer. 20 points on 18 shots. And that, again, is production on volume shooting, which is where we don't want him to be. Right. No, you don't want, you don't want any part of volume shooting. You want him to be efficient. And, uh, you know, doing like he did the other night, 35 points on 19 shots or yeah. whatever it was. Uh, but so I take solace in the fact that they got the shots that they wanted. Now, you know, again, I'm watching the game and I'm like about midway through the first quarter. I go, you know, the game is still kind of close, but I do not like this pace. Seems like the pace is just a little too fast for the Mavericks. And while they're hanging around, this doesn't feel to me like it's headed in a good direction. Even when they got down, I just, I don't know. The first half they were down, but I felt it was more like you're missing shots, not like they couldn't play with the Warriors or anything. And then, you know, third quarter they started slow, they got blown out, and it was over. Um, so my my takeaway from all of that is I don't feel a sense of panic. I don't feel a sense of they can't play with them. Um, I was arguing with your friend and mine, Clarence Hill, today. <laughs> I, <bet. laughs> I mean, ima- imagine that. I mean, he would argue with a glass of water. Uh, but um, he was like, they can't get down 0-2. They get down 0-2. This one's over. This, yeah. you know, this ain't Phoenix. Like, stop it. Just stop it. And again, a lot of people, fans, journalists, some people somewhere, you want all these answers and you want to make all these grandiose proclamations that just aren't true because, yeah, I mean, if they got down 0-2, if they won the two at home, we'd be like, oh, it's a three-game series. Mavericks got all the momentum. So it can happen. Um, it's not the ideal situation. There ain't nobody mm-hmm. rooting for that. But uh, they'll play much better in game two, no doubt. And with this team, bro, this ain't no – This ain't no. Um, it's pretty clear to me what it, what it is. It's which role players will show up in game two. Yeah, and, and you, and you got to have more from Luka, obviously. This game got away from them so quickly. He barely played in the fourth quarter, even if at all. I think he was there at the beginning. You know, but Dinwiddie, I thought, had a solid game on the heels of what we saw in game seven. He was 5'11", had 17 points. But like you said, I thought that was very noticeable very early on. Kid talked about it. Some of the Mavs talked about it after the game. The pace of the game was what Golden State wants it to be. The Mavs, like the, they're one of the slowest-paced teams in the NBA. They like a slow game. They like getting deep into the shot clock. They don't want to have to play a lot of transition defense where the other team is, is running it up and down the floor. And Golden State was doing that a lot, especially in the first half. And I was watching that. My brother Chris flew into town yesterday, and we were out watching it. And I go, man, I was like, they can't win if they're going to play at this pace. Like, they have got to slow this down. And sure enough, you're down, what, nine and I, I got to be honest with you, when they were down nine at the half, I thought, okay, it's not double digits. And then the third quarter came out, and you're like, well, so much for this one. <laughs> I, mean, well, it, it, I mean, it became pretty obvious to me. For me, it was, uh, I think this was the first quarter. Reggie Bullock took a three. He missed it. They got the offensive rebound. They threw it to somebody else who missed a three. They yeah. got the offensive rebound. They threw it back to Bullock who took a three, they missed it, they got the offensive rebound, uh, Brunson got it on the right wing, he took a three, they missed it, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's the way it's going to be today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be hard to win this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much, man. I mean, you know, you talk about it, they were out-rebounded 51-35 to yesterday against Golden State. Golden State just dominated them, especially on the defensive glass, where the Mavs, when they did get second-chance opportunities, they were missing them, but they didn't get a lot. Golden State out-rebounded them 44-26 to on the defensive side. It just, it just wasn't their night. And I, I honestly was not that surprised. I thought if they can get the split in Golden State, it'll come in game two because they just came off this big emotional blowout. They're, they've got to be feeling like rock stars. And Golden State's just been sitting, waiting at home for this opportunity to get back at it. I honestly, I, I was surprised that they lost by 25. I wasn't surprised that they lost. Yeah, I thought there would, I thought as I, you know, we do the show and then I spend more time thinking about it. It's like, 
It wouldn't shock me if they had a little bit of an emotional letdown. Just because they were in round two, it was a game seven that they won. You know, so there's a lot of moving parts to that. And then trying to get down and get focused and, and all of that. So I could see that. But again, man, it, to me, it wasn't that they came out flat. To me, flat is what happened in Phoenix. You're down 9 nothing. you're down 11 nothing, and you're fighting to get back in two minutes into the game. To me, that's flat. Yesterday, it was 15-12 to 12 or 18-16 to 16 or something, and then they just went colder than cold and couldn't get it done. Uh, but they were running their offense. They got the shots they wanted. They just didn't fall. Yeah, and I don't believe that they're going to shoot that poorly again. They were 11 of 48 from the three-point line. 11 of 48. That is 23% for a team that I believe was shooting 38% from threes coming into this series in their previous two series in the playoffs. So, like, what you're talking about, if they're going to get shots like that, the Mavs are not going to routinely hit 23% of their threes. No, nah, man. It's like, um, what was it? Didn't uh, didn't Phoenix have a game like that against yeah, them? Yeah, <laughs> you're just like okay phoenix is not going to shoot that bad again right it's just uh, not gonna happen no 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 so i think here's my point you gotta keep everything in perspective quit looking at all these games as a build-up off one another because what was it game five the mavericks lose by 30 we're like well this series is over it's yep. been a nice nice season i hope they can put it together for uh for the fall and you know make another run and lo and behold they win the next two games by like a combined 50. So you just gotta you just gotta keep perspective, man. You gotta sit on your therapist chair and say, "I will not panic." Or, you know, I was watching uh, "What's Love Got to Do with It" the other day, and Tina Turner started her Buddhist yank. Anyang yang and rimiko, anyang yang and rimiko, anyang You know, do that with some incense. And just just relax, bro. But you like you ain't like that. I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm doing my Buddhist chant, so I oh. so I won't so I won't make me eat the cake. That's kind of awesome, God. I <laughs> <laughs> I will say this about the Mavs and their shooting. So they shot. Remember that one game? I can't remember which one it was. They lost by thirty. That might have been what you were talking about. Yeah, and they shot twenty five percent from the three point line. Dallas did. They only shot twenty five percent or less, including playoffs all season, thirteen times. They're three and ten on those games. Yeah. So again, I, I don't think we'll see them shoot this poorly against this team again. And if they don't, because they were getting good looks, the open shots were there. I, I actually think that we're going to have a competitive series, and that and that the Mavs. Somebody was tweeting up today. Oh, they're going to get swept. I was like, what? No, they're not. Luca's not going to score twenty points. You're talking about a dude who's averaging thirty three points a game in the playoffs. He's not going to come out and just start throwing up 20. That's just not going to happen. Brunson wasn't good. The only guy, again, who was worth the crap last night, honestly, was Spencer Dinwiddie. Outside of that, nobody did anything. Reggie Bullock was 4 of 12. Brunson was 6 of 16. Luca was 6 of 18. Maxi Kleba was 1 of 4. Nobody was hitting anything. The whole team was missing shots. Right, right, right. So when you look at it like that, to me, it's like, okay, I, I honestly don't know what you take away from that other than, holy crap, we actually got really good looks. We just weren't hitting our shots. If we can do that again in game two and they get those looks in game two, I think the Mavs will win. Right. But it, again, it goes back to do they get those same looks? And defensively, you might want to play a little bit better as Golden State shot 56% from the field and they had seven guys that finished with 10 or more points. Probably not ideal at all but nah bro you got to do a little something more and it's golden state Again. they're at home I, I just i wasn't that surprised man hey here's what you gotta you gotta realize and understand and it's in and, and this is not breaking news as i often like to say what have we said consistently i mean i've already said it once today which is in in games like this and series like this and we saw it in utah series we saw it in phoenix series the role players typically play good at home. They play average on the road or shady on the road. And occasionally, one or two of them will show up on the road, and that's usually the game where you steal it and win it. Yeah, it is. So <laughs> I mean, It ain't real complicated. Let's hope that Dallas gets the looks that they got in game one and game two, and this time they hit them. But game two, obviously, many of you listening to this on Friday – 
Game two is tonight. It's Friday night, 8 o'clock, another one of those tips on TNT. The world stage wants to watch Luka. Luka's going to arrive, and I think he's pissed and will probably come out with a little bit more of a vengeance. I'd be surprised if Luka doesn't have a solid game tonight. We'll see. True that, true that, true that. Because I'd like this series to be one and one going back to Dallas. Because I'll tell you this, getting down to Phoenix 2-0 was one thing. Getting down to the Warriors 2-0 is a different beast. No, that's what the great Clarence Hill said. And, uh, and you know, sometimes I have to play devil's advocate with him because uh, he thinks he knows everything. Right. Um, but, I mean, it's true. You, do, you, get down, you get down 2-0 to anybody, though, you don't expect to win. That being said, there is a reason why a cliche, which I don't allow at my SMU class, is, you know, the series doesn't begin until the home team loses. And so, you know, if they get down 0-2, but then they go back to Dallas and win 2, you know, the series don't start until somebody wins on the road. Yeah. So let's see if the Mavs can do that and get this series started. I do not want to see the Phoenix series. Like, I do not want to see seven consecutive games of blowouts. Can we have a, a kick-ass competitive game where the game's in question with a minute left? <laughs> we ain't had none late. When's the last time we had a close game? I was trying to remember, man. I mean, it, 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 we had some in the Utah series, but none of them against Phoenix were. I mean, that Phoenix series is one of the more bizarre series that I can recall ever seeing in any playoffs. You go back, yeah, the elimination game against the Jazz. The Mavs won by two points on the road. Remember that, that late tip? It was 98-96, and the Jazz had yeah. a chance right at the end to tie it and couldn't get it done. Right, right, right. That so that was eight games ago. Yeah, it's been a bunch of blowouts since then. I mean, really weird. I mean, that's that's essentially, and I think game two of the Phoenix series, Phoenix only ever led by 19, but I believe that's eight consecutive games where either the Mavs or their opponent basically led by 18 or more points the entire game. Jeez. Which is weird in the NBA playoffs. Hell we'll yeah, it is. See how it turns out, man. All right, we've got some other stuff to get into, so let's move forward here. And before we do that, of course, as always, we love telling you, you guys do such an incredible job. Your support for our sponsors makes what we do possible. So keep it going with your bruised biltong. Order some bruised biltong, and you can be on the couch while you're watching the Mavs, and you've been munching on some biltong, man. Bruisebiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. However you like it. The Slice Biltong, and they have a couple of different versions of the Biltong, but I think it's fantastic. The two-ounce bags are 240 calories, 30 grams of protein, zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, and it's just damn tasty. Hey, man, what's not to like, dog? You got 30 grams of protein. You got 240 calories in a two-ounce pouch. You got the perfect snack because it's got no carbs. It's all good for you. It's got no additives, no fillers, none of that bull junk. It's fantastic for you, and it tastes good. Yes, very good. It's savory. It's tender. It's delicioso, as we might say from time to time. And it's online at bruisebiltong.com. They will ship it right to you. As a matter of fact, I'm supposed to get my next order. It's supposed to arrive today. I need to go check when we get done recording. It may be here. And I use the promo code JAM15 at checkout every time. It doesn't matter if it's your first time, your 50th time, your 100th time. Every time you order from BrewsBiltong.com, use the promo code JAM15 and you get 15% off your order at checkout. Also, of course, anytime you need an oil change, anytime you need a state inspection, your tires rotated, or you're like Jacques and it's just like, hey, I'm just going to take my car over to JR every other week. Freeway Tire Shop is the place to go. The mechanic you can trust who stands behind his work. Freeway Tire Shop, man. That's why you're always there. Well, you got to know, I ain't trying to put JR's kids through college. It just seems like that. But uh, I take my cars in, man, because I trust the dude. And I trust his company. And I trust them to do the best work available on my cars. You know, uh, it, it all starts with the diagnosis. So I trust them to get that right because nothing else works if that's wrong. They're not trusting to put quality parts on the car, bro. You don't realize how many people put bum parts on your car and then you got to come back a year later, six months later, get the same damn thing repaired. I trust them to charge me a fair price. How about that? Yeah. Can you charge me just a fair price? I don't mind you making money, man. Just charge me a fair price. He does that. And then I trust him to stand behind his work and he does that, man. That's really all you can ask for a mechanic. Uh, provide quality service quality work and they do it all if your car needs anything from tires to an inspection to an old change to some heavy lifting like an engine which he put in my challenger this summer 
take it over there to Freeway Tire and let them get it done. Yeah, exactly. And so it's Freeway Tire Shop. It's just north of downtown Dallas. You can request a quote, schedule an appointment. It's online at freewaytireshop.com where you can check out more. So we move forward to one of the more electric stories of a college football offseason that we've ever experienced, especially where I live in Birmingham, Alabama, which is the heartbeat of college football. Birmingham is obsessed, obsessed with college football. Last night, well, when you guys listen to this, so Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Nick Saban and Nate Oates, who's the Alabama head men's basketball coach, they got together for an event that they were doing to celebrate and promote the World Games. The World Games are coming to Birmingham in July. It's like a weird version of the Olympics. Apparently, it's a really, really big deal. It's huge for the city of Birmingham. I mean, they are expecting like a 60 to $70 million influx from this. Wow. So much so that they are, they are repaving roads. They're fixing lights on the highway. They're building things downtown. I mean, it's a really big deal. So Saban and Oates were in front of some of the richest people in this area. It was like a high rollers event. Hey, listen to Coach Saban and Coach Oates and ask for money and help promote this thing and all this because the World Games, it was an event to promote its 50 days away. The event was almost over when the moderator, a guy named Jim Dunaway, who did radio and was a, a, a television news anchor here in Birmingham for years, Somebody asks the question right before they are about to wrap up about NILs and what they think about NILs. Saban gave a six-minute and 12-second answer on NILs and what he thinks and why they're bad for the sport and this and that. And kind of what happened that started this, this fire with Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders is that Nick Saban decided to take a shot for whatever reason. And I have my reason, my thoughts as to why he probably did it the way that he did. But he took a shot at A&M and basically said, Texas A&M was first in recruiting. A&M bought every player on their team. We didn't buy a single player, okay? And then goes off to talk about whatever this is and whatever that is. Then he goes, I mean, look at Jackson State. And just out, and, and again, Saban and Deion Sanders, people know they do those those Affleck commercials together. Whack, 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 whack. And for, and for whatever reason, Saban decides to just jump in on this and bring up Jackson State, and he says, here's the quote from Nick Saban. Jackson State paid a guy $1 million last year who was a really good Division One player to come to their school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. No one did anything about it. And, and so... It, Dion tweeted out last night, or I guess it was this morning. Dion tweets out, you best believe I will address the lie that Coach Saban told tomorrow. I was, I was awakened by my son, sent me an article that we paid Travis Hunter Jr. a million to pay. We as a people don't have to pay our people to play with our people. And then Travis Hunter also tweeted out something this morning. It says, I got a million, but my mom stays in a three-bedroom house with five kids. Jacques knows Dion very, very well, and I talked to you this morning, and you're like, hey, I'm headed to Dion's house. I'll hit you later. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, most of y'all know who listen regularly. Um, I've got my own company, the JJT Media Group. One of my clients is uh, ESPN, another one's Dallas Morning News, another one's Sports Illustrated, another one's some other people. Uh, but just so, you know, I get around and do a few things. But... Uh, um, when I saw, see, I didn't see those comments last night. I woke up and I do, uh, I hit the gym. All oh, this is relevant. I hit the gym about 5.30 most mornings. Um, I do some reading in the morning, like 5 o'clock. I do some other reading while I'm in a sauna for about 15 minutes. So during one of those periods of reading, I was like, oh, shit. And so I sent uh, Anscape which used to be the undefeated, uh, I sent uh, the person I talked to there, I sent them a text that said, oh, I bet this is going to be the talk of the day. Uh, mm. I'm going to try to get Dion because we had been talking about some NIL stuff last week. I'm going to try to get him. And so when I was on my way to the sauna, I sent him a text and I said, hey, uh, in case you haven't seen this by some chance, because remember, I hadn't seen any of his comments yet. I said, here's the video. Saban's talking about you at the 620 mark. Uh, hit me when you get up and moving around. And so, dude, he called me about 730 on a FaceTime, which doesn't, he almost never does that. And he's like, 
hey, uh, we talked for a couple of minutes. He said, you're going to have to come out to the house for this one. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I kind of changed my schedule around. And he lives about an hour from Dallas. Um, so I went out there and uh, in the most, you know, beautiful, majestic place you could ever mm. live. Uh, sits on, because <laughs> I was asking him about it. Because uh, I've been to his house before when he had a house in Prosper that a lot of you all back in the day used to drive by and look at and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. That, that, that too was a magnificent place. This one's got it beat. Because, <laughs> wow. Because this one sits on, uh, on 130 acres. Uh, and it's just the way he's got it laid out, man. And is, there's a lake in front of it. Yeah, like an actual lake in front of it, a private lake. Uh, or pond or whatever it is, but uh, but this one's laid out, so it's just we got a bunch of trees. It's just a beautiful spot. So anyway, we rolled out there, and uh, we started talking about this nil stuff. And um, the first thing he says is, uh, "I said, hey, have you talked to Nick Saban? Why would I talk to Nick? Why would I call Nick? I don't. I didn't say nothing about him. He said something about me." And then it became, I don't know if he's called, but he's, I haven't talked to him, but he's probably called. I said, well, what do you mean he's probably called? He said, I don't know, but I haven't talked to him. So I called his agent. His agent was like, yeah, Nick called this morning. I uh, wanted to talk to Dion, but we're like, uh, we're not having any private conversation about your public comments. Mm. Which is their way of saying, you stepped in it. You said what you said, which is fine. You stepped in it, though. So you need to backtrack publicly the way you were going to backtrack privately. And uh, I understand Jimbo Fisher didn't accept this call either for the same reason. Like, you can't talk shit about me publicly and then want to privately apologize. Yeah. If you're a real dude, you know, you publicly, hey, I shouldn't have said what I said, blah, 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 blah. You know, I got well, however you want to explain it away. Um, and then you keep it moving from there. And so that was kind of Dion's... Uh, main point and um you know to go from there it's uh it's um you know it's all good man uh i think his thing was uh saban took a shot and then you know when he starts talking he's like you know this is jackson state this is not a power five school he goes we don't even have a donor with a million dollars to give travis hunter and uh, now Deion said this i find it interesting he said i wouldn't even have a player who made travis hunter a million dollars he said if we had somebody who wanted to give him a million dollars i wouldn't let it happen he says you can't have players making more money than the coach <laughs> fair and you know public record because it's jackson state <laughs> university yeah he he has a four-year 1.2 million dollar contract with some incentives for winning and some incentives for ticket sales uh, but obviously he's got a, more money he could spend in two lifetimes from, from his endorsements and what he did as a football player. Uh, but that, the point is he doesn't want, to, want a player making more than a coach because he thinks it ruins your, your dynamics uh, between player and coach and all this other stuff. Um, so, I mean, I think it's uh, – I mean, I think this is a news cycle story. I think it will disappear. Oh, uh, will it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe – I mean, I can not hear it's not going to. <laughs> oh, well, no, nah, y'all got college football nationally. Uh, yeah, nationally. But around here, I mean, this is this is heated as it gets, man. Well, what is the uh, what's the deal in what, what is what is what is the conversation in Alabama? Well, mainly the focus, as you might imagine, is because Jimbo Fisher publicly came out this morning and just absolutely ripped Nick Saban a new asshole. And and called him a narcissist. Basically, said he's he think he has a god complex. Just took shot after shot. Said and and I thought it was really interesting because Saban never said anything about A and M cheating or doing anything illegal. And and Jimbo opens it up and goes, you know, I've got to come out here and defend these seventeen year olds. You know, saying that we've done stuff illegal or that we've broken rules. We haven't done any of that, and we haven't bought a single player and all this and that. And just goes off. And so that, the attack that he had on Saban is really what lit everything on fire here. And so the Dion stuff, it's interesting because I think more people are like, well, what the hell about Jimbo Fisher stealing the headlines? And Dion deciding not to publicly address this in any way, I think people kind of have forgotten that Saban also took a shot at Dion. 
Oh yeah, well trust me, he was just he was just waiting for the proper time, get his thoughts together, and uh, figure out what he wanted to say. And uh, like I said, I, I drove out there and we talked for about an hour. Um, uh, the story will should be up in uh, by the time you guys listen to the podcast, you should be able to go to Anscape a n d s c a p e dot com and check it out, or you can check out uh, my Twitter feed jjt underscore journalist and see it there. And uh, you know, uh, he and me, hell, he did a hell of a job of marketing and promoting it because we're done talking. All of a sudden, he pulls out his phone. He's like, we he calls up Instagram and we go and uh, he puts a video up about us talking about uh, the story coming out and when's it when's it gonna be done because people yeah. want to see it. Wow! All right. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I guess you're my editor setting deadlines now." <laughs> so, so do you know? Because uh, and I'm curious, and, and I don't know if if you've spoken with them, but Saban was on ESPN U Radio on Sirius XM this afternoon, and did not directly apologize, but but he did say, "I apologize." You know, I shouldn't have singled anybody out. That was wrong of me. I shouldn't have done that. Now he didn't say, "I apologize to, to Sanders" or "I apologize to Jimbo." But he did kind of issue that type of an apology. Do you know at this point have they have they spoken today? Oh, um, I told you he he called his reps, but uh, they don't want a private chat. Uh, so no, they haven't spoken, uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, I'll probably find out if and when they do speak. Um, you know, because that's you know again, if you take shots at me privately, publicly, then I want whatever comments you have to say uh publicly yeah and and that's where you know this is very interesting and and this this whole situation obviously is extremely interesting the way that this is happening i mean aggies are coming out of the woodwork man okay let me ask you this and i haven't i really have been busy today yes uh so i know jimbo is mad i find this all interesting though what is jimbo mad about because they did pay their players Apparently he they I honestly I don't know I don't know what it is, the fact that there are members so A and M has a, a collective called the Fund, and there right. are people on the record anonymously that are with the Fund. The Athletic did a story on this saying that they've talked to several investors that have said yes. Several of the members of the recruiting class have NIL deals, but the the totality of it is somewhere in the single digit millions. Okay, but again, and so what what I don't understand is that it's obvious that this collective is helping in the recruiting process, but Jimbo was so adamant that they didn't buy players. Okay, he's just okay. I don't know for a fact, but I say he's just lying. That's what I like. But but my God, Aggies are they can't. I mean, they're calling in Saban's a hypocrite. Saban's a liar. I'm like, so you honestly don't think you think A and M, who had five five star recruits in Fisher's four years here goes out and gets seven five-star recruits in one recruiting cycle, and you don't think that they paid for any of those guys? Well, see, again, And it's legal now. That's what I don't get. Why are you so up? See, here's Dion's issue. I told you, Dion is like, we didn't get that guy a million dollars. We didn't give him any. He doesn't have anything close mm-hmm. to that. Um, now, I'm going to tell you a story about this. I was in Atlanta covering the Cricket Celebration Bowl, which is where the winner of the MAC, I mean the MEAC, uh, HBCU schools, which was South Carolina State, plays the winner of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, which uh, Jackson State won this year, for the Black College Football Championship. So I'm in Atlanta for that. And I was literally going to a Jackson State event where the players were going to be. I was there before the players got there. The players arrived, and I bumped into one of the coaches who was bouncing up around. We got Travis Hunter today, man. We ain't give him shit, dog. He just signed, man. I go, I go, oh, y'all didn't give him nothing? He's like, no, nothing. And he was so excited right then. He like, he was not at a point where he was trying to lie. You know what I mean? Um, so fast forward. So here's the deal. So I asked today. I did some checking around, did some some reporting. Travis Hunter right now has two NIL deals worth about $250,000. <clears throat> he has two more deals that are supposed to get finalized in the next, let's say, 30 days. Um, one of them, to my not to my understanding of it, is a is not a money deal. It's a product deal. Mm-hmm. Like if Bruce Biltong was going to say, we ain't going to pay y'all, but we'll supply you with yeah. 
Okay. As much biltong as you can stuff in your mouth. All right. So he's got a deal like that. And another one he is, the other one he will get paid for. Um, and so I don't know how much that will be, but as it stands right now, he has two deals worth less than a total of $250,000. Now, while that is good money, that's not anywhere close to a million. No, no, not at all. And that's where, you know, that whole thing. And I did think that that was weird because I remember you telling that story about Travis Hunter and, and kind of what you knew originally about that. And when Saban was like, I mean, they paid a guy a million dollars. It's in the papers. And I was like, what do you No, It's not like, where is it in the papers that Dion or anybody from Jackson state ever said that they paid this guy or, or, or that this guy has a million dollars. It's, I, it's nowhere. Well, I think it was, I think it was, and I wrote a story for uh, Anscape last week or two weeks ago about the recruitment of Travis Hunter after the spring game because in the spring game he scored two touchdowns, intercepted two passes, and was clearly the best player on the right. field. And um, I'll tell you guys my understanding of what happened. My understanding of what happened is he was committed to Florida State, obviously. Florida State I'm not going to tell you the whole story. Florida State did something that pissed his mother off. Mm. And his mother was like, I don't think you need to go there. Consider some of these other options you have. And one of those options was Jackson State. Now, he grew up a Deion Sanders fan because his dad was a San Francisco 49ers fan. So he grew up hyped about that. San Francisco He's idolized Dion. He's watched all his highlights, all this other stuff. So if I'm not going to go to Florida State, which I've been dreaming about going to as a kid, why? Because Deion Sanders went there. Right. Then I'll go play for him. And that, that is how he ended up thinking about Jackson State. And then Dion bonded with his mother. You know, uh, as you can imagine, if you know Dion, he can be very charismatic. Yes. And then he bonded with the kid. I think I told you this, Matt. Over, not cover two or man press, over bass fishing. Because they both love to bass fish. Like Dion's got a lake literally 40 yards from his front door. And he's got a boat sitting on a dock. And he goes bass fishing most evenings that he's at the dock, that he's home. Yeah. Uh, Travis Hunter has been fishing since he was like four years old. They send each other pictures of the fish that they catch. <laughs> okay. And so, And so what I'm saying is, it would be no different than if you were a big time recruit and you bonded with a coach over craft beer and y'all talking about hops yeah, all day, every day. And you're sending each other pictures of your flights that you take on a weekend. And you'd be like, well, I love this. This coach is great. And he loves craft beer. I'm going to go play for play for them. That's basically what happened. And that's why Travis Hunter is at Jackson state. Yeah. And there it is. And, and that's what made the whole thing with Saban and honestly, what I think Saban was doing, and again, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, Saban was on stage in front of some of the richest, deepest pockets in the entire oh. Birmingham area in the state of Alabama. They do not have the money at Alabama. They just don't that A&M or that Texas has. And I think part of what he was doing was almost issuing a challenge to some of the people in that room of, hey, you know, you want us to have seven five-star recruits and, and, and dominate like we are always on the top of it? Well, A&M bought their class. I mean, essentially, see, I don't think he was saying they were doing anything wrong. I think he was saying that they were using NILs and they did all this stuff. And I mean, even alluding to the fact, oh, you want us to get the number one recruit? Well, Jackson State paid this guy a million. Where I think he was saying without saying, y'all going to step up and start funneling some money into our stuff? Well, 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 Matt McLaren, you and Deion Sanders have the exact same thought process on this thing. <laughs> yes, good to know. And there's, and there's a quote in my story that says, oh, I don't think Coach Saban, I'm paraphrasing here because I'm not looking at it, but there's a quote from Deion that says, oh, I don't think Coach Saban was talking to Jimbo Fisher. I don't think he was talking to me. I think he was talking to his boosters, his mm -hmm. donors, his alumni, his givers, that they need to give with the program. Um and our our names were just a tool that he used to yes. to to bring to bring the thing up. Um, so I think that so Dion is above so uh, so Dion is like that because he's like I'm not mad at him. Uh, I still love him. I still think he's the magna cum laude of coaches. Uh, he just made a mistake. He just took a left when he should have stayed on the right. Yes, exactly. That's a very good way of putting it. And 
I'm glad that Dion and I see that the same way because I was saying that today. <laughs> I was like, you, you, I said, let's remember who he was in front of now, and let's also remember that Texas is coming to the SEC. A&M has gobs. There is so much money in Texas. As a matter of fact, in the year before NILs, A&M had $47.7 million in donations to their athletic department. Texas led every college with $60 million. Alabama does not have that type of alumni base with that type of money to get onto that level. So Saban is, it, it makes all the sense in the world to me that that's why he did it. And of course, Jimbo wants to go scorched earth because that's what Jimbo likes to do. Right. And I'll be really curious to see how this plays out. But, you know, and who knows? I just saw on Twitter. Well, actually, this tweet's from a couple of hours ago. There's a reporter here in Alabama says, listening to Feinbaum, he says Saban and Sanders have spoken today. So I wonder where Feinbaum got that information from. And I always, like, I think it's funny because I know you so well that stuff with Dion, I'll text you sometimes and I'll say something on the air. People are like, where'd you hear that from? I'm like, I have a source. <laughs> Not anything that you haven't said that I could say. I mean, obviously. Right, 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 right. I wouldn't burn you like that. I, I only did that that one time on accident when we were in Oxnard. <laughs> okay, check this out. Um, um, I, I was going to... Um, I was going to send Dion a text that said, have you talked to Saban? And then I thought about it. What have we just got through discussing? Any conversation they have is going to be a public conversation. Right. It's going, you know, however you deem public, whether they at the same place or Saban just comes out and says, you know, I've tried to talk to him, but I won't, you know, I shouldn't have said what I said, whatever. Um, if I get a chance, I'd apologize to however he's going to say it. But whatever conversation they have is going to be a public conversation. I hope so, man, because the more of this, the better. I mean, this is, I literally, my entire show today for two full hours was nothing but this. <laughs> I believe it. And it's probably... Um, be a lot of nothing. it tomorrow. A lot of it tomorrow and, and on. And because the SEC coaches have a meeting in Destin coming up. Man, when is that? It might be the week after Memorial Day. I'm trying to look and see because they will be there. To, oh, it's it's in, yeah, I'm trying to see. Not media days, obviously. I'm trying to see when the coaches meeting is. Well, sometime in the next couple of weeks, they go to down to Destin and all the coaches are there. And obviously yeah. this whole thing with Fisher and Saban is going to get very interesting. And I thought it was weird that, say, that Fisher was talking about he thinks he does all this and he doesn't know this and that he's like you know there have been people that have worked for him you know i could say some things and i was like well then why don't you why don't you say something he kept saying there are assistants you can go ask anybody who's coached for him ask them what they think about this and that and of course none of the reporters sitting in that room decided to go well you were an assistant with them for seven years tell us uh for real i think um what's the word i was gonna say uh you know Dion said something similar which is uh, he went on this long soliloquy about, you know, they must have, he, he was, you know, he gets on a roll sometimes. He's like, they must have forgot that I played in the league for 14 years. They must have forgot that um, I covered the NFL draft for the NFL network for 14 years. So I know a lot of NFL players that I mentor. They must have forgot that I covered the Under Armour All-American game uh, for more than a decade as a head coach. And what he's saying is basically – I know all the guys who got recruited and I know who paid them to go where they paid to where they went to school. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm not deny I'm not doubting that because um if if you just think about it, man, you know, if you just in those circles, you hear stories about who did this or who sure. did that. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you're talking to players and you have their trust and stuff, and you said and me and Dion and Tyson said, man, why you go to Ohio State? Dog, man, they showed up with a suitcase, $200,000 in it, man. I looked at mom and said, I guess I'm going to be a Buckeye. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, so when you are telling those uh, types of stories, then um, it's all good. It's going to be very fascinating to see the fallout from all of this. It really is. And there's a lot of interest in certain parts of the country about where this goes and what this is. And how you manage these NILs, man. It's a, it's a really weird, wild conundrum. 
And I think, like, like Dion and I agree that Saban was doing that with his boosters. And I, 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 and I said this on the air today. I, I think he said that a little bit out of fear, knowing that if we don't get our collective and our system fixed and, and doing things we need for Alabama, some of these other schools are going to blow right by us. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't really think that's the case. I think it'll be like it was last year. It'll just yeah. be more, more even they won't have this huge talent advantage they had over everybody. It'll be over, you know, 98% right. of the teams instead of 100%. And then it gets down to coaching and development. And, you know, Nick Saban, I mean, he ain't really got nothing to worry about. Why? Because he gets five stars, and guess what? They coach them, they develop them, they become first-round picks. University of Texas gets five stars, they coach them, they don't develop them, and they don't get drafted. Yeah, that's very, very true, man. At some point, you got to develop them. You got to put guys in the league. Dude, I, I'm, I'm real serious. It's like A&M just got this great recruiting class. Okay, that's the easy part, especially since you paid them. And ain't nothing wrong with that yeah. under today's rules. The hard part is can you develop them, win championships with them, and then send them to the NFL as high draft choices? I mean, that's the goal. That's what you got to do. That's what the Buckeyes do. That's what Alabama does. Mm -hmm. uh, Clemson did it for a decade. You know, uh, Georgia is in the midst of trying to do it now. So, you know, that's what's required. Wild times in college football, my friend. And it's, it's something else to see, at least here, how this unfolds. And, and this, I'll tell you this, Texas A&M plays in Tuscaloosa October 8th. I guarantee you that game is going to be on fire. Dude, that is going to be great. <laughs> I can't wait for that in October, man. Especially for the fan that, that called in today that lives in Austin that was a huge Aggie and was ripping me and talking about how A&M is going to trounce Alabama again. I was like, all right, well. And he goes, I'll call back on that Monday, and I'll shove your face in it. And I was like, well, hopefully you'll call back when they lose, too. I mean, you, you, you can't just call this out and, and not call back either way. We'll see. True that, true that, true that. I'll tell you who you need to call, though, and, and that's if you're noticing cracks in your foundation or doors starting to stick. You got some of those sloped floors, maybe some soil washout on your property. You need to call HFX Foundation Solutions. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. It's local family-owned. Aaron and his guys, they'll come on out, and they'll see if you've got a problem. 817-770-0174. Because you never know, man. Foundation is one of those things. You are The earlier you can catch a potential problem is way better. I mean, even waiting a month to six weeks, like, oh, oh I'm sure that crack's no big deal. And then six weeks later, Aaron comes out and is like, yeah, you could have saved thousands of dollars if you'd called six weeks ago. Dude, I tell people all the time, there's a reason why we call it a colonoscopy for the house. Yeah, it's cute. It's funny. It makes you remember it. But it's really to give you peace of mind. It's really to give your house a once over and make sure that there's nothing major going on that you can't see until it's too late. Because Aaron will tell you if you call him and you should. If you if you catch it early, it's a fraction of the cost if you catch it late. Now, they can fix it either way. But hey. You'd much rather pay them a fraction yeah. than pay them the whole thing. Yeah, no doubt, man. 817-770-0174. You can find them online at hfxfoundation.com. A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. So long time. I mean, one of the great cowboys of all time. Well, I, I say that in a sense of for the organization. And Larry Lacewell, who was the Dallas Cowboys scouting director for, man, for a long time, right? How many years was he doing that? I want to say only a decade. It just felt like longer. Okay. I want to say like, I want to say like 1994. All right. I just looked or it up. It says 92 to 2004. So 12 okay. years. He was the, the Cowboys director of college and pro scouting. Man, it seems like he was doing it longer than that. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. And I think that's because he had this long history with Jerry, had this long history yeah. with Barry Switzer. Um, his days were numbered when Bill Parcells showed up because you couldn't have two guys like that in the building because uh, they just couldn't coexist. Because uh, everything, remember, Parcells is, I, I buy the groceries. And Lacewell was like, ah, if you're so smart, then uh, why, don't you, why don't you make Jacques Taylor a good player? <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, fair enough. But Larry Lacewell, who, who passed away at the age of 85 years old for 12 years, as we just talked about, he passed away on Wednesday. 
And you were telling me that you learned an unbelievable amount from Larry Lacewell. Man, uh, Lace was my guy. <clears throat> I could talk about Lace forever, but I got two or three stories. I know Matt's got to run, so I'll keep my stories tight. Uh, but I've got... Oh, we got know, like 10 minutes. I, Lace, Lace was, was great. And this was, I don't mind telling y'all, because it's still a strength of mine. I talk to my students about it all the time. One of the reasons I became a really good reporter, one of the reasons I became that dude, that 12-letter cuss word, yeah, I really was, mm. uh, is because I never minded saying what I didn't know, which is, hey, can y'all explain this to me? And so when you're talking to football people, like at the NFL level, even at the college level, high school level, and you don't, you don't act like you know everything, and you ask them questions and say, can you explain this to me? They will give you literally as much time as you need. And so now it's all about ego, too, because they love who, who doesn't love talking about themselves and explaining stuff to other people, make yeah. stuff feel good. But Lacewell, I, I can remember many times he bring he I'd see him or bump into him. He'd say we'd sit down in the atrium over at the old Valley Ranch. He'd pull out some salt shakers off a table and be like, OK, this is the offense. This is two gap. This is one gap. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. Dude, he came up to the morning news one day. Uh, I recruited him up there. We signed off on it, got it all set up. And he taught us, I can't remember which defense it was, but the Cowboys were changing schemes. And he taught us the differences between the old scheme and the new scheme so that we could be re better reporters that upcoming year. Wow. Um, no, it was great, man. He was happy to do it. I mean, he, he probably spent literally an hour and a half to two hours up there that day explaining stuff and then of course he went into telling stories and all this other stuff and this is where i got some of my stuff i use now like he used to say jock you know anything after the fifth fourth round bud you're just throwing darts <laughs> at a board and you know sometimes you hit them and sometimes you don't and you know lacewell was a little bitty guy he's like five five um but uh i'm gonna tell you two stories one of them is a very quick story he's the only guy and I can say this now that he's passed. He's the only guy, and we say this, me and Clarence will say we kid because we care. Yeah. And me and Clarence laugh about this once a year because we were the only two people who saw it. We were at uh, Wichita Falls training camp, so whatever year that was. We were at the president of Midwestern State University's house because he was having some kind of media mixer there or something. And Larry Lacewell, to our knowledge, me and Clarence, our knowledge, that night became the only person to ever take a quadruple dip out of a out of a out of a uh, bowl of uh, salsa. <laughs> <laughs> what a random thing to remember. <laughs> Dude, awesome. now you, no, what happened is you had to be watching it and you had to see, you know, because we've all cringed when somebody took a double dip. Like, what are you doing? Wow, a quadruple and, dip. And so he took the double and we're like, oh shit, he's going for a third. And he took the third and we're like, oh, that's terrible. And then he took the fourth. And we're like, that's got to be in the Guinness Book of World Records somewhere, the quadruple dip. Ah, I've never seen it. Wow. All right. So that's my that's my funny story about lace. Uh, the two the two other stories are, are this man. Um, the Cowboys were about to hire who? Uh, Terry Donahue. He was going to be their next head coach uh, before they got Chan Gailey. It's going to be Terry Donahue. Um, it was it was all but done. And again. Um, I called Lacewell and I said, uh, hey, can you confirm that Donahue's the guy? He goes, nope. I go, Lace, he's the guy, man. I said, just tell me he's the guy. He's been at the house all day. Everything says he's, he's the guy. And I'll never forget this. He said, Jacques, I'm telling you, all the I's haven't been dotted, all the T's haven't been crossed. He's probably going to get it. But I can't tell you it's done because all the I's haven't been dotted. All the T's haven't been crossed. And I was like, fuck. And so I'll never forget this, bro. I called the office. And I said, man, 
my people are telling me he's not the guy. Mm. And we wrote a about a 10 inch story and put it on like page 12. The Star Telegram brothers, y- y'all can check the records. You ain't gotta you ain't gotta listen to the word I say. Guns blazing, back page, all signs point to Terry Donahue. I mean, they had his career record. They had his record in big games. They devoted the whole back page to him. Jim Reeves wrote a column. They wrote a story. Do y'all remember Terry Donahue getting a job? I don't know. Not at all. Because I sure as hell don't. And I called Lacewell when it was over, and I go, dude, whatever you tell me from here on out, I don't even question it. (laughs) That's crazy. I I don't even question it. God, that's so uh, wild, and the Star Telegram just ran it like it was done. Well, it when I, I mean, it was ninety nine percent done, but ninety nine is not a hundred. Yeah, that's true. Um, and my other story, I'll never forget this: It's Christmas night, two thousand, and the Cowboys have just lost to um, Tennessee Titans thirty one nothing on national TV. And I'm walking to it, and I'm walking through the stadium, down the bowels of the staircase, to uh, to the locker room, and I see Lacewell coming up the staircase, and he's got on like a black—I don't want to call it a fur coat, but it's a black coat because it was freezing that night. It's pulled up tight around his shoulders, and I look at him and say, "Hey, it was a tough one, Lace." And he looks at me. He says, you cocksucker, don't ever say another fucking word to me. Wow. See, and I had that, I said, huh? He said, yeah, you cocksucker. Oh, my God. That, he, that's the first he time walked, I've ever heard that word on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's how serious it was. So when somebody says that to you, you're like, okay, what did I do to piss him off? Because remember, that was my guy. I'm like, what did I do to piss him off? I call him later. He ain't answering the phone. We get back to Dallas, I call him. He ain't answering the phone. I see him in the hallway. Lace, can we talk? No response. Just keeps on walking. And so finally, literally after about a week of this, I saw him leaving the building one day. He had just gotten in his car. And I ran over to his car. And I knocked on the glass. What? (laughs) And And he looks at me. I said... Roll the window down. And he goes, what do you want? I said, dude, how long are you going to be mad at me? And can you tell me what I did that pissed you off? You know what you did. See, that's what people do all the time. Sound like a woman. I go, I said, Lace, I swear to you, I have no idea what I did to you. And then he says what people say forever. He says, I, we had written a four-part series about each story was about a thousand words so it's about four thousand words we wrote on why the cowboys suck okay and he said you wrote this about me i said lace i said are you talking about and i remembered what he's talking i said are you talking about that he said yeah that right there you i said lace that wasn't even about you <laughs> he said yeah it was it sounds like it oh no man it was i can't remember exactly but i was like it was this 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 and this that wasn't even about you he goes oh okay then boy you we're back good again <laughs> just like that that's amazing <laughs> i said lace he goes yeah i thought you'd take his pot shots at me i said why would i do that man he says okay we're good and we were good ever since <laughs> That's, i mean for somebody to have that type of reaction and say that to your face dude i mean that's was, i mean that that's a word that you just don't say that to people no nah, man it, it, what it was was he thought something i wrote was blaming him for why they sucked that year in the draft choice and all this other stuff and i can't really remember what it was but it, it was definitely not about him uh, he just interpreted it that way golly dude i mean that is intense (laughs) (laughs) tracked his ass down like what is going on man Uh, shoot bro but uh (laughs) that's impressive (laughs) those are good stories man larry lacewell 85 years old had a life no doubt yeah he nah man he had a stroke about five years ago 
and it robbed him of his ability to talk. And anybody knows Lace nah, knows that was a that was a yeah. that was a crime worth that was a you know situation worse worse than death. That sucks. Um, yeah, yeah. And so he never really recovered from that. Uh, he's he's a hell of a dude though, man. He's a hell of a dude, hell of a dude, hell of a dude. So that is the podcast. A little bit on the short side here this time, but unfortunately, this is about the only time that we could figure this out with all the stuff going on. You with Dion and. I'm actually hosting a trivia tonight. I'm doing a sports trivia tonight here in Birmingham. One of the local breweries approached me. and was like, would you have any interest in doing this at all? We thought of you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. That'd be badass. It'll be fun. Let's go. So I'm, I'm doing a sports trivia tonight at a local brewery. You guys enjoy the Mavs here on Friday. And we'll talk to you, I guess, after game three on Sunday and, and see where we sit after the Mavs get a shot to come back to Dallas see what happens with all the Saban fallout over the weekend. A lot that we'll get to over the weekend, but enjoy it, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.